Please pray. Pray with me. Father, we do trust today that you will speak to us. Heavenly Father, it is a privilege to be able to call on your name. And God, I just pray that uh, this scripture would sink into our hearts. We would see the Lord Jesus for who he is. One that was dependent on you, Father. One who came in the flesh. One who had all power and authority and yet rejoiced in the greater things, which is your presence, God. I pray that we would learn that lesson today, God, and that we would proclaim that to others. That that's the good news, Lord, that you are our treasure. You are the one who, Lord, we were made for. I pray your spirit would do the work in us. I believe, Lord, in your spirit. I believe he will apply this word into our hearts and renew our minds, Lord. So we trust you for these things. We give you our hearts, Lord. We give you this time. I pray our, our hearts and minds are attentive. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Thanks for coming today. How is everybody? All right, are we awake? Some beautiful weather we're having lately, eh? I think so. Well, we're in the Gospel of Mark. Enjoying going through this, this gospel that is a history of, of Jesus. It, it is different in many ways than just a regular history. We have an eyewitness testimony from Peter. We have Mark recording those things. And, and what he's trying to help us realize is that, that God has broken in. He's broken into this world and, and things shouldn't be the same because that's happened, right? He, he has come into history. He has made himself known. And so chapters 1 through 8 of, of this gospel really show us the king, the king in action, the king with miracles and, and amazing power and authority. But then... Those eight chapters, as they fade off into the distance, even at, I think at the very end of chapter 8, he turns towards the cross. And so the second half, the 9 through 16 of Mark, is that this king, again, is very unusual. He is coming to go to the cross, to bear the sin of humanity, to come in love, to serve those that need to be rescued, that need true freedom, true life in the Son of God, that they would be free from the curse of sin, the sin that plagues us every day, the, the curse that is still in this world, but somehow the kingdom is present, and it should be most present in us, those who profess to know the King and love Him. So Mark is a gospel that calls us to action. Jesus, of course, is taking action, right? He's moving from place to place. And, and we are called not to just sit back and read it and not respond in a way that doesn't move us to reach others. God calls us to repentance and belief in this King, to follow Him, to trust Him, and to share in relationship with the Father. That Christ Himself, his blood 
is what cleanses us, is what brings us close to God. And so if we share in that relationship with the lover of our souls, then it should be only natural that we would want to proclaim that good news, right? In words, in our deeds, as Jesus did for us. So let's take a look at that. We just read from Mark chapter 1, verse 35 to 39. And, and when I read this over and over again, what, what stood out to me, uh, one of the greatest things of the kingdom, if not the greatest thing, is that Jesus comes to demonstrate relationship. He comes and we see Him worship, worshiping. We see Him in prayer, in relationship with the Father. Christ grew up with the Scriptures, many of those emblazoned on His heart and mind. The Bible tells us that He grew He grew in favor with men, in stature with God. And I'm sure He knew that, that Psalm 1611 tells us that in the presence of God, there is that fullness of joy. And that at His right hand are pleasures forevermore. But why is that? Why is that true? The kingdom, I think, is about knowing God. That's why it's true. It's true because God created you to be in relationship with Him. There's so many things that we desire in this world, and, and if we could just get this thing right about who God is, His desire to share in relationship with us. And of course, the Bible says, whoever knows the Son knows the Father. If you want to know the Father, you have to know the Son. You can't know one without the other. One is the direct reflection of the other. Right? We can look through the Old Testament. We can see how God has made Himself known. And, and sometimes it can confuse us because God can seem harsh, vindictive at times, it seems. But yet the most repeated verse and one of the Psalms repeats it over and over again, that the steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. That is the thing that's repeated the most. So Christ knew that, right? He, he didn't come to, to please the crowds, although the crowds came. We can see that here. They came, they searched for Him. But this reminded me of, of what John says too in the, I think it's the second chapter of his book, in John two twenty three to 25, he says, Now when he, being Jesus, was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people and needed no one to bear witness about man. For he himself knew what was in man. See, Christ knew what the majority of of what people are after, something from God, right? Something tangible from God. We don't come looking for God. The crowds always, always are looking to get something from Jesus. They didn't understand that, that Christ came. The kingdom has come near that you might have God as Father as the one to love and cherish. They didn't understand that that's the most 
precious thing, that we can spend time with the lover of our soul, the one who knit us together in our mother's womb. Of course, Jesus, for all of eternity, before he took flesh, knew that this was true. And that's why he took this time. He took this time to be with the Father in a desolate place, it says here. place where he wouldn't be disturbed. And the text here seems to indicate that it was, could very well have been for several hours, right? There's some clues there. It was very early, right? It was still dark outside. It was a desolate place. They were in the city before, if you remember uh, from last week, just a few verses before, they were at Peter's house and, and uh, he healed his mother-in-law. But now they... They can't find him because it says here, and they searched for him. So he had to be somewhere secluded. He was, he was there early. He was there for hours praying, spending time with God to draw close to him as we should. Again, that lover of our souls. Oh man, preacher, you're not going to tell me that, that how wonderful it is to play, pray for hours. Isn't it just wonderful? You want to convince me of that, don't you? You just want me to feel guilty because I don't do that. No, I want you to see that Jesus, even though this power that he had, and where we saw a little bit of that power, right? The power over the demonic. He's going to show us the power to heal, right? These, again, these eight chapters are going to show us his power, his authority over all things. And yet, he needed that time. He cherished that time with the Father. How much more us who claim to be sons of the King, sons of God, sons with a heavenly Father. A heavenly Father. Well, what about your prayer life, preacher? What's that like? You spend hours every day praying? Is that what you're trying to tell me? Sometimes. Not all the time. And of course, like many others, my uh, lengthened times were probably at times when I was discouraged, right? I wasn't too sure about what was around the corner. Maybe I, I was confused about my future, what was going to happen. But there are times where, where I have taken... The time to just be thankful, to sit and give God my time, pray about all the things that I need to be thankful for, that I should be thankful for, that I am thankful for, give that time to God. God, life is about you. You know, I don't want to neglect the duties that I have, preparing a sermon and, and counseling others or running around places, but do I take the time? to stop and say thank you, to worship the God who made me for himself. And of course, the word fuels that prayer. That's why I love the Psalms. The Psalms fuel my prayer because they, they show us, they depict for us the psalmist with all his heart revealed to God, crying out to him, sometimes angry at God, 
sometimes not sure about things. God, why don't you speak? Why don't I hear you? As maybe I did before. And, and sometimes we can get demanding with God, right? God, you showed up this time. I want you to show up like you did that time. Why don't you do that? And so we, we can wrestle in prayer. And sometimes, well, maybe many times, I've, I've got on my knees and, and, and I hear that voice, this isn't working, <laughs> you know. Uh, nothing's happening. I don't feel that charge, you know, that, that, that feeling, the, the back of the, the hair on the head stands up, right? Oh, yeah, I know, the, I know the Spirit is here because I'm getting that little tingly sensation. Well, what about when that tingly sensation isn't there? Well, is God not there? No, He's absolutely there. He's absolutely there. Let me say three things about about prayer before I move on. Prayer is worship. The longer I live this life, the, the, the longer this journey is, I understand that, that prayer is worship, right? You call out to God, Heavenly Father, right? That, that speaks of the nearness of God, our relationship to Him that we can have but it also speaks of the sovereignty of God, that God is sovereign over all things, that He has all power and authority. And so just to acknowledge that, just to speak to God, is to worship, is to, is to say, God, You are there. Right? As Saul shared Psalm 19, that the heavens declare His glory, that, that there is evidence of God in creation, in the conscience, in the Word itself. In Christ who came to embody the perfection of humanity. So prayer is worship. It is worship. But prayer is also transformational. It will transform you. Many times we, of course, come to God because we have things that burden us, that are on our minds. But how often does the sin burden us that's in our hearts? Many times we, we want God to fix people around us, but we don't want Him to fix us. But make no mistake, God is out to transform you. He's out to transform your heart. And sometimes when you're there in prayer and, and you're, you're not getting that answer, or you're saying the same things over again, and you're dependent on God. What will you do, God? And what God's trying to do is not just change your circumstances. It's to change you. It's to change who you are deep within you. That you might respond to the circumstances around you as Christ did. So, Oh yeah, I want to respond that way. I want to respond in power. I want the demons to cower at my word. No. Many times it's the patience we need to endure with others. But I think the another thing here that, that prayer does is 
is really helps us to see our dependence on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one we need in prayer. The one we, we look to, to give the words that we don't have, to pray for us, through us, in us. Here's where that power comes from for the Christian life. It comes as we are indwelled by the Spirit. That's what we should be praying for. God, live in me by the power of your Spirit. Empower me to say what is good, what is pleasing to you. Help me to live a life of faith. Help me to sense your presence at every moment. Again, that's why I love the Psalms. I love to be reminded in the Psalms as I read a different one, maybe once or twice, maybe more than that a day. Just to say, God is... And I need to be reminded of that because life can get busy. I can get distracted and I can think, what is life about? Why am I not getting what I want out of this life? But God is what you need. But not only does Jesus demonstrate this, this need for relationship, this, this greatest thing about the kingdom that we can know the king, draw close to him, But he demonstrates, too, that he just doesn't enjoy that relationship. He comes to proclaim it, that good news that it is offered to us and that we should be offering to others. Jesus came to proclaim freedom. Freedom from the rulers of this world. What rules your life? Whatever rules you, that is your God. You might say, well, nothing rules over me. I am the master of my destiny, the captain of my ship. Then you're a slave to your own feelings, your own desires, your own pleasures. If, in fact, you think that you can be the master of your own destiny, it will destroy you. It will destroy you because you were made for God. For His purposes, not your own. See, God is the only master who can fulfill you. God is the only one who can complete you. God is the only one who can love you completely. And if you fail Him, and when you fail Him, He can, and He's the only one who can truly forgive you, right? Can you forgive yourself? God can forgive. God can forgive for every sin is a, really a sin against God, first and foremost. And so Jesus demonstrates here that he's not simply one who likes to be alone, right? An introvert away from the crowds. And he's simply not one who likes to be around people, right? An extrovert, surrounded by others all the time, can never be alone. But He is true humanity, and He brings to light that we are made for both of these realities. Right? We're made to be alone with God, but we're also meant to be with others. And somehow in these two, we are shaped and molded into who we ought to be. 
because we need that time. That time of reflection. That time that sometimes is painful. As maybe uh, when I'm sitting there praying and, and I'm thinking of things maybe I shouldn't be thinking of. And I'm like, why am I thinking these things? God, I'm trying to give you this time. And God is saying, oh, I'm revealing what's on your heart. What's most on your mind? Oh, I don't like that. Of course, that's why the Scripture helps, too, to kind of cleanse that, right? Sometimes when I get too distracted, I'm too in my own thoughts. I, again, I just take up the psalm and read it, pray through it, listen to it, and let it soak over me. The goodness of God, His truth. His light. You see, the gospel has the power to create a whole new person. And of course, Jesus demonstrated that it has power. Right? He, he demonstrated with action. He said elsewhere that if you can believe the words that I do, he says, or if you can't believe them, believe it because you see the power of those words. The power to, to uh, cast out a demon, to heal the sickness around me. Power and authority. Many times, as you read in the Scripture, it says he spoke with an authority, not like the others. Right? He was able just to say, this is what I say to you. He didn't have to say, thus saith the Lord, like the prophets of old the, the prophets of old would always say, begin discourses, thus saith the Lord. And they would depend on God for His words. Christ, with that authority, comes to say, here's what I say to you. Here's the way you should respond to God, draw close to God, to know Him, to love Him. Of course, Jesus wasn't interested in drawing the crowds as we see here in these verses. Peter comes to him, right? The eyewitness there who's telling this story through Mark by the power of the Spirit. He says, everyone's looking for you. He doesn't even respond to that. He says, well, let's go. Let's get up. Let's get going. I got to go preach. I got to go tell people the good news. Jesus was more interested in the quality of the people's hearts, right? Not in how many people would gather around him. He said uh, many times it's a a wicked and adulterous generation that asks for a sign. Right? We come for the stuff, God. Give it up. We come to the Master's table. We want what's on that table. We don't want the Master Himself. Just give me the stuff that you got. Make my life the way I believe my life should be. That's what will make me happy. But what does God want for us? He wants the love, the peace, and the joy. The, the fruit of that Spirit. That Spirit that we're dependent on. That Spirit that can only come as we draw close to God. As we surrender to God. And He can come in a moment. 
And He's there when we call out, if we trust, if we believe. But how often do we call out for self-control? Give me some self-control, God. I like the love and and the peace. But I don't know about self-control. That might be a little difficult. So what should our response be to this? This Jesus who takes the time, hours to spend with the Father and, and yet displays words with power, deeds of service as He serves those who are oppressed, those who are demon-possessed. Well, here's a few suggestions. Pray without ceasing. You know, I, that, that's, uh, I think when I first read that verse, uh, that I think it's 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, 17, 18, I think. It's kind of frustrating. Like, pray without, how do you pray without ceasing? And, and I think, again, it is the, the sense of which God is there always. Present, near in the Holy Spirit. And we should acknowledge that at all times. I don't need to, to I, I like to have a certain place to pray. But I need to know at the, the moment that I need God, that I can call out to Him. If there's temptation, if there's someone who's asking me something that I don't know the answer to. And so I do need to make a practice of getting away. I need to make that practice of, of drawing close to God. To use the Psalms, as I said, to to rejoice in the words that have been given that can fill up our hearts. I've also prayed through the Ten Commandments. You ever prayed through the Ten Commandments? You can do that. And you know what that does is it, it, it helps you to see what does God consider important for my life? What does He believe I need the most? Of course, it begins with Him, right? What you need the most is to put God in His place. Don't put other idols, other things in your life before Him. Don't take His name in vain. Set time aside to come and draw near as a people of God. Honor your mother, your father. Honor your relationships. So you can pray through those things. Sometimes you can sit alone in silence. You ever try to sit in silence? Again, maybe that's a lot easier for an introvert, right? To sit in silence. Good, nobody's here. I hate it when people are around. They just get on my nerves, you know. But others that are extroverts are like, man, there's something to do around here. Where is everybody? <laughs> you know, but we again, we need those Both of those things. Both of those things mold us and shape us. Those things are important. Because they make us truly human. And again, we see that in Jesus. We see Him loving people around them all the time. But then, again, getting away. Knowing He needs that that strength from the Father, that love of the Father, that, that filling up that only God can do for us. 
Again, I, I mean, I, I know times when I've gotten on my knees and said, oh, man, I don't know what to say, <laughs> you know. I'm not sure what to pray for. But I call out to God. Because God, you will answer me. Of course, you might say something I don't want to hear. <laughs> right? But if I can accept that, if I can accept that truth, God will mold me, will shape me, will make me into the person I ought to be. So pray without ceasing. Always acknowledge God is there. Proclaim the word in boldness. Right? Be bold, but that boldness should never be harsh. It should never be in a way that tries to put people down or tries to make yourself look better than they are. I mean, I had a hard time with that, I have to admit, because I loved apologetics, you know. I, had all the, I wanted all the answers because when I didn't have the answers, it really made me struggle to trust God. So when I got them, then I thought, well, that's what people need, right? And, and it is true. We, we need that. But at the same time, I can't um, rejoice too much when I'm proving the person wrong who is before me. And suddenly it's, it's about my, my ability to show you how wrong you are. You're so stupid. Why don't you come to Jesus? Don't you wish you were smart like me? <laughs> at all the answers. Oh, that's why I came to Christ, you know, because I'm so smart. That's why God chose me. Don't you know that? No, it was grace. It was grace that opened my blind eyes. Sometimes you can hear the same verses over and over, and it's like, oh, yeah, I know that verse. And then just later on down the journey, it's like, oh, oh, I know that verse. Oh, it hurts me. Right, because it's not about me, it's about Christ, it's about giving witness to what He has done in my life, how He has changed me, how He has taken me from where I am and brought me here and still is changing me, still is working on this heart that yearns for things that it shouldn't, for pleasures that are forbidden, for desires and, and sometimes looking at people and saying, as the psalmist says, right, why do the wicked prosper, God? Look at that, they're having a better life than I am. They don't even know Jesus. That's a deception there, right? How do you know they're having a better life than Jesus? Because they have more money? They have more people around them? How do you know? You don't know. God knows the heart. He looks, pierces the heart. That's why the Word is the mirror to your soul. To give light. Or maybe you want to stay in darkness. So we seek to please the Lord, right? Even when I'm giving witness, I want to please God. And I want to love that person that I'm witnessing to. If I don't love them, then what, what am I doing? What am I doing? And I was thinking, sometimes we need some things to ask people, you know, and I think maybe I'll, I'm going to try this this week too. Ask, ask people, you know, what does it mean to repent? What, what does that mean? Do you even know what that means? Have you even 
ever even heard that? Do you know that Jesus said that? Repent and believe? What do you think that means? Maybe just listen. If they don't ask you what it means, then maybe you shouldn't tell them. Some people think that you've got to get them all the way to the cross, right? I've got 30 seconds. We're going to get you to the cross, buddy. Today, you're going to say, Jesus is Lord, right? Whether you like it or not. I doubt it. Because <laughs> I don't know how many times I've witnessed. I've never had anybody say, oh, yeah, Jesus, yes, I believe you. <laughs> no, they never say that, you know. So do I stop then? It's not working, God. Oh, well, I've got to stop doing it. No, I, I trust that God, you know, I'm just... Uh, just a waterer or whatever, you know, or some people are planters, right? The Bible tells us those things. Watering, you know. Sometimes I feel like I just sprinkled a little, but hey, at least I did something, you know. <laughs> um, but you don't always know. You don't always know. In eternity, we're going to know. We're, we're going to be amazed at the things that, that happened that were going on around us and we didn't even know it. So pray without ceasing. Proclaim the word with boldness. But demonstrate that word, right? Demonstrate it in, in, a, in a life that's lived in the truth of the gospel. That we serve other people. Because here the king served us. The king served us. How can we not serve other people? God has blessed us beyond measure. If he, hasn't, if he won't bless you one ounce more than what He did on the cross, that's eternity to be thankful for. But He does bless you. Gives you life. Gives you breath. Gives you people around you who can love you. Who you can love. So the greatest treasure is God Himself. One guy said... Um, God is the gospel. He is the good news that we can know Him. We can know life, true life. His desire is to transform. To transform us. So that the world will see through us His kingdom. That the kingdom is worth living for. Because the King is worth living for. Do you believe that? I hope you do. I hope you do. Let's pray. God, we trust that you have spoken. We thank you for the life of the Lord Jesus who drew close to you, God, who gave us that example that you are the treasure of life, that in your presence there is joy forevermore, that the pleasures are there at your right hand, God, that true life is to be lived with you. God, help us to take that time alone, but help us also to share time with others, to proclaim your truth, to live in light of the gospel. God, teach us. Help us never to be afraid of the truth, even though it would expose us and maybe bring pain at many times to our heart. But we know that we don't live, Lord, for our own righteousness. We live because we have been given it as a gift. Our life is a response 
to the one who loved us, who gave himself for us, who promises that we have an eternal hope in him. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.